Keepers of the Flame, the classic metal podcast with Rev Taylor and Darren Wall. Reviews, interviews, and conversation since 2021. Hello, and welcome to the very first ever episode of Keepers of the Flame, the classic metal podcast. Um, on this podcast, we're basically going to be talking all things classic metal. And what does that mean? Well, it's kind of like anything heavy metal related that is rooted in the old school, the 70s, 80s style. Um, but we're going to be talking a lot about newer music, some about older music. We're going to be talking about topics that um, exist in the heavy metal world, kind of like a current events thing. We're going to have some guests on. Um, each week, we'll do a deep dive into one album. Um, that we both listen to and um, discuss our thoughts on it. And we're going to have a pick of the week. Um, so, yeah, um, my name is uh, Darren Wall, and this is my fellow co-host, Rev Taylor. Um, since this episode one, I guess we should introduce ourselves a little bit. Um, so, Rev, why don't you take it away? All right. Hello there. Yeah, my name is Rev Taylor. Uh, I'm the vocalist for a heavy metal band called Greyhawk. Uh, in which my co-host is uh, the bass player. And um, yeah, I uh, am also a classically trained singer. Um, you know, I was a metalhead since the time I was, was a teenager, you know, played in some bands when I was younger uh, around New Mexico, where I'm from, and uh, then went to school for, for classical singing and serious music. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, kind of lost touch with the metal scene for a while while I was in school, but I was kind of kept a heart for heavy metal. And uh, kind of gradually as I, as I performed in the opera world, you know, doing small roles here and there and, and, and eventually singing with the opera chorus here in Seattle, I really kind of found that, that, uh, that heavy metal and the kind of aesthetic and the energy of it was really informing how I performed uh, music and how I came to music and it, it made me want to reconnect with heavy metal so I uh, got involved via the internet with the guys in Greyhawk and uh, it's been an awesome journey and I've been reconnecting um, with the, the metal world learning all kinds of cool stuff about uh, the traditional style of heavy metal melodic metal you know epic metal just heavy metal whatever you want to call it um, which is you know there's a lot I didn't know before a couple of years ago. So it's been like a great learning experience and I'm excited to continue that journey uh, with this podcast. It's already uh, been really rewarding just to dig in really deep to some albums uh, with a purpose, you know, of, of talking about it. So I'm, I'm really excited about this. Cool. And uh, yeah, as he kind of alluded to, um, I also play in a uh, heavy metal band, Greyhawk. Uh, we're a very classic um Dio, Manowar, Malmsteen sounding heavy metal band. If you haven't heard us, check us out. Shameless self-promotion. Um, I've played in uh, Cal, got so many heavy metal bands over the years. I've been doing this for like 17 years. I used to be in a band called Skeletor, Aggression, Entropia, um, lots of bands back in Canada when I lived there. I am Canadian, uh, now living in Seattle. Um, heavy metal has been a part of my life since I was a little kid. You know, I growing up on Kiss, Van Halen, my favorite band, Black Sabbath. Um, it's just a huge part of my life. Probably the one constant that's been in my existence um, on my 40 years on this planet. So 
um, yeah, I'm a very passionate metalhead. I'm excited to do this podcast. People have been asking me to do a podcast for a minute. And so here we are. And uh, yeah, so enough about us. Um, let's get right into our album of the week or that we both uh, listened to over the past week and did a deep dive on, uh, which is going to be the new album from Iron Savior called Skycrest. Um, if you're not familiar with Iron Savior, they're a German band. They were formed in about 1996 in Hamburg. Uh, they were on AFM Records, great record label. Um, you know, some, there's been some heavy hitters in this band over the years. So Kai Hansen was in this band for a minute. Um, Thomas Stouch from Blind Guardian was playing drums for them for a minute. Um, but they've been going for a long time. Um, they got 12 albums, a couple EPs, a live album. Um, they're a pretty prolific band. And, uh, you know, I really was into them a lot in my early 20s. I really liked the Condition Red album and a couple others, and they kind of fell off my radar a little bit. Um, so it's been cool to uh, to reconnect with this um, this band through us listening to this uh, this new Iron Savior record. Um, so I guess I'll start with you, Redman. What did you What did you feel about the album overall? What are your overall thoughts on it? Well, um, I mean, you've you've got a bit of a history with the band, but for me, I this is my first exposure to them. I hadn't heard of them i mean that i can remember at least since uh until you suggested reviewing this album so um long story short i really like it i'm really happy to have learned about this band um it's it's pretty straightforward in a lot of ways like it's it's kind of you know i looked at the cover art and it's this kind of you know gleaming shiny kind of very uh digital uh image typical of german power metal um with some sort of like mysterious mechanical device on the cover and uh, i'm thinking man this is something that's going to be uh probably sounding a lot like painkiller <laughs> you know uh as german power metal tends to and and that's pretty much true but uh the more i listen to it the more i kind of i'm getting an appreciation for the particular gifts that that iron savior is bringing to the table and especially their front man whose name is peter silk silk or pete silk i wasn't even uh, gonna try man but so thank you for uh taking care of that for me. <laughs> yeah yeah um and uh it's, it's it's one of those things when i first heard the voice you know i was like all right this is like pretty kind of standard heavy metal stuff but then the more i listened to the way he was phrasing things the more i um was noticing how clear his diction is, the more mm. I'm impressed with the singing. And especially once I uh, learned that he's also the, the, you know, he's the main songwriter, but also um, one of the two guitarists in the band. And uh, then my respect for his singing just shot up because, um, you know, it's kind of like when you're rolling up a character in D&D &D or something, like you, you, you kind of only have so much attention you can give to the various parts of what you're doing on stage and in the studio. It is and, not easy. Uh, it is not easy to sing and play at the same time. It is not. Yeah. And when you listen to the, the you know, the, the great singers and the great singer slash guitarists or singer slash bassists in some cases, uh, I mean, typically you do lose a little bit of vocal acuity when you when you add an instrument into the mix it's just kind of inevitable um but with that said pete does an incredible job of um of being a very expressive singer uh very effective storyteller while also being as far as i can tell at least a pretty damn good guitarist yeah. so uh I'm, I'm that that's already impressive and um 
I know that this is a band that has a lot of history with concept albums and with kind of multi-album uh, arcs of storytelling. Um, as I understand it, the Iron Savior is like a intelligent sort of spacecraft built by the ancient Atlanteans. Huh. Um, that that uh, and that's kind of the early albums are dealing with this story of like the Iron Savior comes back, uh, but. It, there was a programming error. It was supposed to come back in 350 years to rescue the Atlanteans, but instead it came back in like 35,000 years and it doesn't find any Atlanteans. So it views earth as its enemy. And, and that's, as I understand it, at least the storyline of the first album, and they keep bringing back more elements of this kind of mythos. Um, and so that's been kind of fun to dig into. Uh, it seems like this album from what I can discern so far is, is not quite that. I think there's a couple no. songs that probably connect with that mythos, like the, especially the first two or three tracks. Uh, but then there's, we've got some other uh, songs. There's one that seems to be about Highlander. There's one that's like about werewolves. And there's right. some songs that are just kind of a seemingly more of a personal nature, you know, the, the yeah. quest of the musician kind of stuff. There's a couple like just fist bumping songs about about heavy metal too right yeah I, I knew they had to be some of those you know mm -hmm. with an album like this yeah you know, not disappointed raise the flag is a fun track yeah i mean i kind of felt the same way as you i, I kind of you know like me having listened to iron savior for a while i kind of knew what i figured i was gonna get and i got what i thought i was gonna get um it's an iron savior record to numbers which you know i mean people debate all the time about bands evolving their sound, whether they should do it, whether they should stick to their guns. I mean, Iron Saber is a band that very much sticks to their guns and they have a thing that they do. They do it really well. Um, and you know, they, I, I, I love them for it. Um, I know when I get one of their records and pick it up, I'm probably going to have a real good time listening to it. I had a really good time listening to this one. Um, there's nothing game changing on it, but I didn't expect it to be, uh, didn't even really want there to be, tell you the truth. You know, that's one of the things when we're t addressing the genre that we're doing, classic metal, power metal, trad metal. I mean, it's not overly progressive by nature. It's kind of, it, it kind of is its own thing. Um, I love the production of this record. I love Iron Savior's bass tone on mm -hmm. every single album they've ever done. Um, uh, it's always, it always stands out. It's always, you know, pretty clangy, but it's not obnoxious. Um, so I really, and I appreciate good production. It, it's definitely very polished and quite modern um, for the genre, but I'm good with that. Um, it doesn't sound fake. You know, it doesn't mm -hmm. sound completely digital and chopped up. Um, one thing I've always liked about Iron Savior 2 is like, I think they write some of the best pre-choruses ever. A lot of times to me vocally, the pre-chorus is the highlight of the song. Um, mm -hmm. And that's been a case throughout all their albums. Um, so that's, those are the kind of things I really liked about it. Um, if, if I had a complaint about it, it would be that it's, it's too fucking long. Um, Agreed. It's just, you know, it's, it's got how many tracks is it? Is it like 12 or 13 tracks or something? Um, uh, I think, I think 12. Yeah. It, so it's, 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 it's about two to three tracks too long for me. Um, you know, there's a lot of really good stuff on it. There's a couple tracks that didn't do much for me whatsoever. Um, so if I, I think if there was a little bit of editing and it was shorter, it would probably 
it probably would have resonated even harder with me than it did. Um, as it is, it'll probably be one of those albums in my iTunes that I kind of chop a couple songs out of so that I don't really like and keep the rest of them. Yeah, I kind of found listening to it that um, I think it's the first, it's really the first five tracks really hit hard and mm. is very effective and keeps me, I'm stoked all the way through those first five. And then tracks six, seven, eight, to me, I start to lose a little bit of my attention to it. And then towards the end, I like some of those tracks, but I've been, you know, I've been kind of finding the more I keep it in my library, the more I kind of have been listening to it like an EP, like side A is, sure. is really, really solid. Yeah, I don't disagree. I don't generally disagree with that. Um, I guess the, I mean, the first track on the album is an intro. And you know, obviously, if you listen to Greyhawk, you know that me and Rev are cool with intro <laughs> tracks. Because <laughs> um, we have two, two albums and we have two intro tracks. So I thought that was cool. Um, the title track is, I think, the next song. And mm -hmm. that one's got like a really cool 6-8 feel to it. Um, I think that song rules. It's uh, Agreed. It's, it, it's high energy. It's catchy. It's got good hooks. Um, Six eight song feel is one of my favorite things to listen to, so I'm I'm happy any anytime that happens. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that was a banger. Um, what's the next? I think our time is now. Was that the next one? Our time has come. Has come. Yeah. That's right. Um, our time has come. That's a really cool man. That's a really cool song, man. Like it's yeah. got it's super catchy. It's classic, classic European power metal. Um, again, again, a great a great uh, crashy catchy fucking. Um, uh, pre-chorus that I think is even catchier than chorus. Um, mm -hmm. Some great vocal work. Um, so yeah, I was I was pretty stoked on that one. Um, I think my two favorite songs on the album, um, Hellbreaker is one of them, and it's like oh yeah, it's a really goofy song title. But again, it's another like really badass six eight groove, and um, the bass player really shines on that one. Like they really give his bass a lot of room to breathe, and you know. I'm a bass player, so like that shit really makes me excited. Um, and you know, he's not the fanciest dude in the world, but he's really solid. You know, he locks in really well with the drummer. Um, he really is a he is that glue between the guitar and the drums that really makes it uh, really makes it go. And then Soul Eaters and the other my next favorite. Those two are kind of back to back, and that's yeah. got that like really it's a chugging like you know accept feel to it almost. Um, yeah, Soul Eater has that nice bass intro too. It does, and uh, that was th those two. Those two songs to me, when I was listening, and kind of like you said, the first five, um, those are the two where I I, I kind of start, kind of went from okay, I'm just listening to this to like okay, like yeah, this is this is badass. Like I'm I'm really into this record now. Yeah, the Hellbreaker. I, that's really the standout track to me, just because I think it's the heaviest song on the album, and and that oh, groove geez. really pops out. Um, there are some. I'm going to call them laser sound effects in the bridge of that track that, <laughs> yes, there that, are. that always kind of catch my attention. Yeah. Uh, you know, sound effects are, uh, I would think we mostly agree are, are something to be used sparingly, but they can be effective in some cases. Yeah. There's definitely some, uh, some wolf howling and some <laughs> growling and possibly some tearing of flesh in the, um, the track Silver Bullet, which is like the werewolf song. Although I, actually that song is pretty badass. That last time I was listening to it, I was listening a little more carefully. And it's it's got some drama too. It's like the werewolf is kind of imploring his uh, his seemingly his lover or or someone he cares about to like kill him and end the pain. And so it's got some some pathos to it. And I, I thought that came across really well. 
interestingly enough, that's one of the ones that didn't do it for me. Um, I don't know. It just there's there wasn't a. I guess I'm I'm big enough. Like the the next two, uh, there can be only one. I was not a fan of that tune at all. Yeah, um, yeah, me neither. That that that's, one I, I just thought was a throwaway track. Um, that would be the first one to cut for me. Yeah. Yeah, Silver Bullet. I mean, it, it, it's 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 okay, uh, but it didn't. There wasn't really a hook or anything that really grabbed me. I kind of found my I like a couple times I listened to it. I kind of found my brain drifting off and like thinking about other shit. Um, so that's just, that's probably just a personal thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I couldn't tell you the chorus or anything and, and it's not, it's not that it's musically the strongest. It's just that I, I enjoyed the vocal performance. And from a vocalist's perspective, I kind of enjoyed the, the way he was bringing drama and life into the story he was telling. Okay. I mean, that, that makes sense. I mean, you know, people people definitely listen to songs differently. I think you and me probably listen to songs a little bit differently. That's one of the reasons why I want to do a podcast with you. Um, and after that comes Raise the Flag, which is just, man, <laughs> it is like one of those songs that like just embodies everything that's awesome about European heavy metal. It's like that anthemic, um, it's, you know, you know that they broke that to play at festivals with that yeah. in mind, because people are going to sing that shit like real loud um it's uh yeah it, it's just an awesome song and it was it was a real uh that one was a real highlight for me too um because i love i'm a big you know me i'm a big man of war guy i love songs about metal i love anth- i love anthems um so that song that song really hit all the right notes for me pun sort of intended Something that I, so we were talking before we started recording that, that, you know, we would both consider buying this album on vinyl. Um, And if we do, I'd be curious to see, I I looked on one website that had a track listing and it only had 11 tracks. um, And Raise the Flag was the one that wasn't on there. No. So, and I don't know if that's accurate. I ain't, buy, I ain't buying that vinyl if that's accurate. Fuck that. <laughs> that's, that's dumb. Whoever decided to do that, that's dumb. I would have loved it if, you know, obviously, some of the later tracks are, are better than the ones that like, are better than like Welcome to the, to the New World or whatever. Mm-hmm. I would maybe move one of those. If, if it ended at, with Raise the Flag, I think that would be a perfect ending to this record. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah that's, that would... a, that's a great last song, a high note, a good way to go out. And it would have like, I think it would have it would have bookended the album really nicely with that intro. Yeah. So, um, and then after that comes uh, I think it's End of the Rainbow. Uh, just that like the most cliche fucking power metal title I could think of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I liked it all right, if only because it it has a different kind of tone. It's a much sunnier kind of major key kind of. It's got a brighter sound, and so for that reason, it kind of it does pop. Yes, from, it does. pops out from the rest of the record and i could see you know if you're if you're not into that sound as much then that might be a negative thing but uh i but i liked it i didn't mind that song at all i think i, I thought it was uh i thought it was cool um it's it, it's pretty catchy uh, like like you said it's got those bright major chords and i like that um so that song was fine um next up and uh you know god i'm, I'm gonna try not to be too harsh about this because i'm sure this song is about something personal you know, I'm, I'm, it, it sounds like it's written about some personal experiences, but Ease the Pain is the ubiquitous power metal ballad. And objectively, it sucks. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> this song is is not not well crafted. It is not well executed. It doesn't come, it doesn't do this album any favors, in my opinion. Um, and that's just, that's just me. I mean, some people might really like it. 
you know, I'm sure it means something to the probably the singer or someone in the band. So I'm not judging them. It doesn't like ruin the record for me or anything, but this is a skip every single time I listen to this record. I am not a fan of this soundtrack whatsoever. It's no, it, it hasn't really done much for me either. It just, I think with, with ballad writing, I mean, the trap, the, the big trap for ballads is always like, is it going to drag? Is it going to kind of feel plotting? And I, I did kind of feel like this didn't quite get the energy it needed to kind of achieve liftoff. It, it, it's, it's all about atmosphere. Like, I love ballads. I love, like, slower tunes. Um, oh, yeah. Like, I'm a hair metal guy. You know, I, I love Manowar's ballads. It's all about, it's about good, you need good note selection. Um, you need to create a vibe, um, not just with the vocals, but the instruments, with the drums. You need to, um, and this just doesn't do any of it. It's like, it's almost, it feels like it's a ballad for a ballad's sake. Um, musically uh i don't know i just I, I think this doesn't do the album any favors and i don't it, it, again if i was to shorten it and repackage it with nine songs i would this would be the first one i'd cut yeah i would yeah i'd cut that or or again maybe the the highlander one just because it didn't maybe it's because i don't really know highlander mythos very well although i like the skeletor highlander song yeah that, 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 thanks <laughs> that one that, I, I agree that that's the skeletor highlander songs is, is a good one but there's a lot of songs and metal about highlander and i don't know it just it, this that one doesn't do it for me this ballad doesn't do it for me uh the end um ode to the brave um again that's a cool it's a cool song um not to me, not a standout track, but I don't know. It, well, it, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that uh, you know, I don't mean to be like a, a vinyl fascist because I'm, I'm really not, but like, <laughs> but I think with a, with, a, with, a, with a traditional style of heavy metal, which is, is you know, fast and hard hitting, uh, I think it just is most effective when it gets in and out. And one way to do that is to just like write the album and put it together with uh, a, you know, 33 LP in mind because you only have so much room. Sure. Whereas a CD has enough room to make something that's just too long. Like, yeah, especially with a, with a, with a traditional verse, chorus, verse, chorus songwriting, like Iron Saver uses, like it's not especially progressive. It's uh it, it doesn't have to be. It's really fun for what it is, but it does mean that an hour is just a little bit too much of that unless... It totally it, is, dude. It's way yeah. too much. And it's kind of like the analogy I draw with, you know, movies nowadays. For whatever reason, like, you know, when I was a kid growing up, and you go to see a movie, you go see, like, you know, whatever typical action movie, it was always the 90-minute motion picture, you know? Mm -hmm. 90 minutes. In hour and a half movie, you know, you, you get, you, you hit all the high, high points and especially for like action films, you know? And these days you got these fucking superhero comic book movies that are like two and a half hours long. And I'm like, there is not enough interesting dialogue or storyline or character arcs to validate this movie being two and a half hours long. Like I'm watching the Avengers, oh, whatever the hell that came out. And I'm like, another battle scene? You're fighting again? Like, did, why haven't you fucking beat the bad guys yet? <laughs> why am I still in this theater? Like my back hurts, my legs asleep. I ate all my $50 bag of popcorn an hour ago. I just want to go home and say that I saw it. But I got, because I'm a completist, I got to stay to the end of this stupid thing. And I'm not saying that this, this album drags on that long, but you're right. Um, the style of writing 
and the style of music that they play is not conducive to an hour long and oh, an hour long out. And, you know, and we're not saying that this is, we're, we're kind of dwelling on this a bit, but we're not really saying this is a bad record. Um, I'm, I think what we're saying is that this record would be a lot stronger if it was nine or 10 songs. Yeah, I would. And I absolutely agree. I think that it's, it's worth just keeping in mind like what the what the human attention span is capable of and how people are really going to be imbibing the music and uh, or the movies in the, in the, in in that particular example and something that they they used to do you know with these epic movies way back in the day like in the 60s i'm thinking of a movie like uh, how the west was won or dr zhivago you know one of these and those movies were like 3 hours long but they had an intermission because they kind of understood that like it's like putting out a double album you're like, I understand that this is twice as long. And so we're going to give you the option of, you know, taking a break in the middle to clear your mind, which is, I, I think that really helps. So they never do that with these super long blockbusters nowadays. No. And like, you know, the, the thing I noticed, like, you know, when I, when I kind of, when I noticed uh, listening to this, um, that it was too long. Um, is when I heard the same vocal melody for the third time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's kind of like, I call it the iron savior vocal melody. I'm, I'm not going to attempt to sing it because nobody needs to hear that, but there's just one vocal melody he does and it's, it appears on every record at least once. This time it was like the third time I heard the same vocal cadence and I'm like, yeah, it's just too long. Like when you're starting to like rip yourself off on the same album more than once, um, you know, it may be a tad long, but that is, should not deter anybody from going on and buying this thing. If you are a fan of Iron Savior, if you are a fan of traditional metal, of power metal, of European metal, um, this is a great buy. Um, you know, I would 100% recommend this record. Um, production's great, performances are outstanding. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's enough good shit on this album um, that you can forgive it for being too long. You and know, it's, it's, and not only, you know, for on its own merits, but like if you're like me and you haven't heard Iron Savior before, then it's, I totally recommend it because it opens the door to Iron Savior. And then there's a bunch of other albums which are all, you know, pretty consistently high quality, um, good heavy metal. And it's, it's kind of, it's the kind of power metal that is, that has the right amount of heavy metal and the right amount of groove and the right amount of riffing and that bass tone, like you mentioned, it gives it a nice uh, organic feel. And that's one of the things with a lot of, you know, the, the, I don't know, major label kind of European power metal. These days, a lot of the time, it's just way too slick and obviously kind of played on a track and doesn't really breathe right. But this, it sounds good. It sounds great, but it also like sounds real. It's got the like the smooth polished choruses. Everything sounds good. The production sounds great, but it still has a sense of organic vitality which i really sure. like no uh, it's 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 them playing it's easily digestible you know? yeah it's one of those things like if you know if aliens came down to earth and were like what is this heavy metal you must demonstrate the heavy metal to us and all i had on hand was this iron savior record i'd feel pretty good about being like yes this is heavy metal this is power metal this is good stuff we stand behind it as the people of earth, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and I, it just, it makes me, I've always wanted to see these guys live and, you know, they never really make it over to North America to my knowledge. I mean, I've never seen them on a bill on, on this side of the, of the continent in this part of the world. 
but it really makes me want to. Um, you know, me it kind of this uh, this album really reconnected me with Iron Savior, and that's awesome. Like just to see all these years later, they're still kicking ass. They're, they can still put out power metal that's and or metal that's relevant, that's um, well executed, that's just cool and badass. Well, yeah, you know, it's, yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun, and and sometimes really what I'm looking for with the heavy metal album, it's something I feel like I'm always kind of looking for is just like something that is it's fun, it's energetic, it feels good, it's not overcomplicated, but it's done well and with a great attention to detail, and yeah. I feel like especially the first half of this album is really satisfying that for me, and I'm also curious, uh, I'll, I'll probably look up later to see whether this singer, whether Pete Silk, has been involved in anything else. I'd I'll say this. That's one thing I was. Next thing I was going to say, actually, is the one thing that's cool about this is when you hear his voice, you know it's Iron Savior. Yeah, his voice is very distinct. He's not like a power metal by numbers singer. He's not. He doesn't sing way up in the dog zone, or you know, he he's got his own style, his own swagger, and I really appreciate that. And he knows how to write a neat vocal hook. Something that this got me kind of thinking about is that there's, you know it's kind of different kinds of singers. And I was kind of thinking about it in terms of you've got your really impressive singers, singers that will like, when you first hear them, you'll be impressed because they're hamming it up on the high note or because they've got a really powerful vocal tone with a lot of blade in the sound that really like, Oh, wow. Um, or they're like using extremes of range uh, and you've got that, but then you've also got your really expressive singers who might not necessarily impress right away, but there's a level of craftsmanship in their diction and in their phrasing and in their dynamics. Uh, and ultimately, I mean, ultimately what you're going for, I guess, is a fusion of both, right? Uh, there's not mutually exclusive at all, but I, I definitely feel like this singer really exemplifies um, the fact that if you have the right diction, the right expression, um, it goes a long way. You don't have to like sing the crazy high notes to tell the story and to be uh, effective and to be intense. So I guess what uh, you're saying is um, he knows how to, how to use his voice and how to write and play to the strengths of what he can do. Yeah, exactly. And I think before, ultimately before like... Before further though, um, you know, I think it's worth it now if you could explain to people listening because... Um, before I met you, I didn't know what this word meant. You should explain what the word diction means. That's not like something that I think a lot of metalheads throw mm. around as a word when they're discussing singers. But I think okay. it's important. Yeah, diction just means um, how you pronounce the words you're singing. Um, it, it means, you know, vowels and consonants uh, with the goal of being understood. And, you know, metal is not a genre that is necessarily very lyrics forward. You know, it's not like singer songwriter music or something where, where the lyrics are really a lot of, I know a lot of metalheads who don't really focus on the lyrics much. Um, and I do, but uh, you know, my goal as a singer is always to, to be able to be understood without a lyric sheet. And that's what good diction is. That's what good diction is in the, in the classical music world, because it's kind of based on the assumption that, you know, no matter what language you're singing in, somebody who speaks that language should be able to understand what you're saying without having to, you know, look at a, at a sheet with the lyrics on it. Um, and that's something that, that Pete Silk really manages to do is you can listen to that album and you can understand the vast majority of the lyrics, even though he's not, uh, 
English is not his first language. Even with that in mind, he's still making himself understood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this this is not like a, a, you know, nonsense power metal lyrics kind of band. Oh, thank God, man. Like some of the, some of the bands, and there's a lot of bands I love, but I'm like that fucking song came straight out of the heavy metal lyrics generator. It totally did. And, and, bugs me man so it's it's just nice when the lyrics to you know this kind of music are cringy so i definitely appreciate that but um i guess we should wrap up our discussion about this album um we're not really going to do a rating system because i don't know i i don't, I don't really love numbers and whatever we're just going to kind of say sum up and say whether you recommend it um i think this album's great um it's not Perfect, as we discussed. It's a little bit long, but I highly recommend it. If you're a fan of Iron Savior, you're going to love it. Get it. If you're not, it's a great intro to the band, and uh, it's a very enjoyable album. So I highly, 100% recommend everybody checking this out. Gets a thumbs up from me. Absolutely. Yeah, same here. Thumbs up from me, and I really hope I can see these guys live sometime. Yeah, me too, man. All right, so uh, moving forward, um, the next little segment we have, um, we're going to each pick a record, an album from, um, you know, that we, that we enjoy. Um, and it's a little more free form, you know, most of the albums we go in depth about are going to be more classic albums that are kind of newer releases. Um, but we're going to each pick an album from our collection and talk about it a little bit and what we, why we like it. Um, so my pick right here, um, this is by a band called the obsessed. It's called the church within. It's kind of like considered their seminal album. Um, uh, it came out in 1994. Um, it was, you know, it, it didn't receive much, uh, much fanfare that it, I think it deserved. Um, the main guy in this band is uh, Scott Wino Reinrich, um, or just known as Wino. As you can see, he signed my copy when I saw The Obsessed last year in Seattle. Um, I've seen them a few times. Uh, they're one of my favorite bands. Um, this, this album's amazing. Um, it's one of those albums that a lot of people call the obsessed a doom band. I don't know if I'd agree with that. I don't, I think there's doom elements to them. Um, but mainly I just think they are a heavy, they're, they're, they're a heavy metal band. Um, this record, it's full of grooves. It's full of great riffs. There's um, heavier Sabbath type worship to it going on. Um, there's some new wave of British heavy metal stuff. There's some motorhead type of stuff. Songs go from faster to slower. Um, but the, the, the riffs are, um, one of the strengths of this record, one of the other ones is Wino's voice. He's got a very distinct kind of haunting voice. Um, anybody that kind of knows anything about him, um, you know, this is his kind of main band, but he's been in a couple other ones like Spirit Caravan and he was singing in St. Vitus for a minute there. Um, but the obsessed for his baby, he's kind of like one of those underground icons, you know, that's just like. And I feel for the guy, I kind of wish he could become a rock star and make a whole bunch of money because he's just such a rad dude. I hung up with him a couple times. He's a great guy. But he's kind of like, one of those dudes is probably going to be in the underground forever, you know? And But people fucking, you know, we, we love him. We, everybody loves him for it because he just sticks to his guns. Um, the This song here that really got me into the obsessed is a song called Streetside. Um, it's a wicked riff, really memorable groove. Um really like basic floor on the floor, heavy ass drum beat. Um, the first time I heard that, it's, it's one of those songs where I, I heard it, it just like grabbed me by the back of the head and was like, you know, 
this is amazing. I needed to know everything about this band. Um, but other highlights to protect and serve, Field of Hours, Streamlined, first three tracks on this album are all killer. Um, every single track on this album is absolutely badass. Um, so um, I highly recommend everybody check out The Church Within by The Obsessed. Um, it's the best album, I think, to start if you're looking to get into um, this band at all. Or, so yeah, Church Within by The Obsessed, man. Check it out. Um, it's killer. Um, yeah, that's my pick of the week. Uh, I'll throw it to you, Rev. What, what do you got? Yeah, I'll definitely be checking that album out because I've heard The Obsessed, but I haven't like done a, a back-to-front album. And uh, that's, that's, that's good that's, to have a starting point. So That's the one, dude. Like That's, that's, that's the one to start with. It's, um, it's, it's awesome. So um, I'm going to be turning the clock back to 1972 for the... Um, Shit, I wasn't even born yet. Yeah. <laughs> Self-titled album by Captain Beyond. Um, it's got the cover here. Usually with the cover, you see uh, it, it's actually dark blue all the way. And you kind of just see this space, uh, hippie space traveler fellow. Uh, it's a little bigger. I don't know what's going on with this pressing with this odd disco ball thing in the background. Anyway, it's a, it's a great album cover. And that's what initially attracted me to it as I just saw the album cover and was like, well, I got to check that out. And that was... Uh, 10 years ago, probably. And part of the reason I care about this album is because it was really part of my journey into getting into the classic heavy metal sound. Um, you know, when I was younger listening to metal, I was, I was into death metal. I was into a lot of modern metal stuff. Um, but I didn't really know the classics. Um, and part of it was I wasn't really into the rock vocals and the, uh, the classic metal clean vocals and some of those I guess, bluesier kind of styles. And uh, so for me, it was really necessary to kind of go back to, to 70s hard rock to Deep Purple and Uriah Heep and stuff like that. Um, uh, and then kind of build on top of that. So my love of the 80s heavy metal is really built on a love of the 70s heavy metal. And this album was an important step in that journey for me. Um, it's a really interesting... Uh, record it's got some proto metal kind of stuff in it it's kind of a it's progressive um it's got you know a lot of it's got some interesting time signatures but it's it's in a in a way that's not really obtrusive it doesn't sound like wankery it feels kind of natural and groovy but you've got a lot of tracks and in, in seven stuff like that um tracks in five and seven it's probably partially because the the main songwriter is a drummer Bobby Caldwell, who's actually, I think, kept the band going. Um, they're still around. He's the only original member, I think. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's a really cool album. Um, it's got that groovy kind of like psych metal, um, I don't know, estuary, I want to say. Like that, that kind of time period where all that stuff was kind of blending together when, when Sabbath was first in the picture and Deep Purple and... Um, and it's a it's a cool album in that it really flows together. There's not really like any tracks that are going to pop out and be like the sing-along bangers. It's very much like a, a record you're going to want to play front to back and just kind of enjoy the vibes as they they change. Um, so I, I've, I've liked this album for a long time, but until I was going to present on it today, I didn't really know much about the history of it. So I looked it up and I found out there's actually some kind of bizarre stories uh associated with this record especially 
the kind of tragic tale of the the lead singer here, um, who was uh, the first singer for Deep Purple, Rod Evans. I'm sure some people have heard about. Um, he got kicked out of Deep Purple um, kind of prior to their breakthrough because they wanted to go heavier and they felt that he was kind of preventing them from doing that. And he had also met this American woman and had wanted to move over to the US. So they kind of um, kicked him out, got Ian Gillen on board and the rest is history with them. Um, so Rod Evans got recruited to sing for Captain Beyond after that by the management of Iron Butterfly. I guess Iron Butterfly kind of imploded and um, their managers wanted to start another band. And so that's where Captain Beyond came from. They, they um, took the guitarists from Iron Butterfly and um, I think the guitarists and the keyboardists from Iron Butterfly. And then, um, yeah, they got this drummer Bobby Caldwell, who was a contact of, of Rod Evans. And, um, but it was one of these things where the, 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 the manager was actually like the, the chief of the label of Capricorn Records at the time. And so it was this really bad conflict of interest. Uh, and there was some serious mismanagement with this band. So they never really got promoted right. They were opening for the, the, the wrong acts um, being put on these like, pop bills where they really didn't belong. Um, and eventually, that got really frustrating and some band members left. And then for their second album, uh, the, well, first the record label had observed the, the success of the Allman brothers and they wanted captain beyond to turn into a country rock band and that wasn't going to work. Uh, and then the, the drummer songwriter, main songwriter for this first album quit. And then they got a new drummer and bassist and kind of rebranded the band as like a jazz fusion thing. Um, at which point the lead singer after that album, the lead singer left because he was sick of it too and kind of went off the radar. But then what happened, this is, and this is sort of the weirdest part. Um, after Deep Purple broke up in, uh, I guess it was probably 78 or 79, um, someone contacted Rod Evans and recruited him to be part of this Deep Purple reunion. But it turned out it was this scam, really. There were no original members. It was just some guys who were in like a Steppenwolf cover band. Um, and one of these guys had like masterminded this, this Deep Purple reunion called the New Deep Purple and kind of like, you know, tried to get around the copyright law by registering the name in the US, whereas Deep Purple had their whole legal deal based in the UK. And they booked like a, a 60 date tour um throughout north america this new deep purple but it was the way it was marketed it was kind of like come to see the new deep purple show you know they were they were really downplaying the fact that this was a fraud and so what would happen is this band would get on stage start playing and um the audience would realize that these guys couldn't really play and this was not the real deep purple and so there were riots almost every night for like you know Holy 10 nights shit. in a row or something and then uh, deep purple got wind of this um and started putting ads in the paper next to the ads for the new deep purple show saying like 
you know, <laughs> this show. It's not us. Yeah, we we'll, won't be there. You know, John Lord, Ian Pace <laughs> will not be appearing um, on this show. And so, and then Deep Purple sued this fake Deep Purple. Um, and the guys involved in the scam, all including Rod Evans, the original singer, had to pay uh, something like $600,000. And so, uh, and then Rod Evans had to uh, forfeit his royalties from the first three Deep Purple albums, um, at which point he just disappeared kind of off the face of the earth as far as the music industry was concerned. There's been all these people kind of trying to find him. He's living somewhere in California, apparently as in, in the medical profession. Huh. Uh, and Bobby Caldwell, the drummer on this album, is has said, you know, he's in touch with him. He's alive, he's doing fine, but doesn't want to be contacted. Uh, and it's at the why. point where- That's embarrassing. Yeah, and, and he actually got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Deep Purple a couple of years ago, but didn't show up to the ceremony or anything. I, I get that. You know, it, it's funny that kind of leads me to something that happened to me when I moved to, to Seattle from Canada. Um, you know, I got here, um, you know, I settled in and I was really trying hard to find a band to play with, find musicians to jam with. So I kind of just put an ad out on Craigslist. It was like, you know, bass player seeks band into heavy metal, stoner, doom, whatever. Like, let me know what you got. Let's hook up and make some noise and see where it goes. And this one guy hits me up and he's like, hey man, like I I'm putting together a blue cheer reunion. And I'm like, whoa, dude, like that's fucking cool. Blue cheer is a cool band. Like they're one of the bands that were instrumental in heavy metal becoming a thing in the 70s. I was like in the late 60s and early 70s. I'm like, holy shit. Like, all right. I'm like, well, what what original members are in it? And he's like, well, none. I just kind of like bought the rights to the name <laughs> and the catalog. Right. Needless to say, I told that guy to go fuck himself. Because I'm like, I'm not going to be a part of anything, anything like that. That is <laughs> right. awful. Like, if, if you want to start a blue cheer cover band and call ourselves a blue cheer cover band, <laughs> I'm not going to be interested in that either but at least we're not lying to people who are coming to the gig. Right. Like, like Darren Wall and Rev Taylor start the, you know, I don't know, we, we, we bill ourselves as Iron Maiden and show up to play. People can be pretty mad when Steve Harris and Bruce Dickinson aren't there. Right. You know? So, I mean, it was just, oh my God. Like, I don't understand how people would pull that, pull that shit. I mean, the, the Deep Purple one's even more egregious. Um, how people would pull that shit and like actually think it's gonna work, you know? Yeah. It, it seems to me like it's all like the, the deep, like this guy with the blue cheer thing, he's just, he's just some jackass trying to like make a buck and, you know, rip some people off. I guess maybe that was the idea there too. That's probably the motivation, but probably money, you know? I mean, this, they probably sold a lot of tickets feeling themselves yeah. as deep purple. This is one of the biggest bands in the seventies, dude. Like, yeah, that is just the drizz that is the drizzling shits man that's awful yeah and it's it's kind of it's interesting how often that kind of stuff happened i guess before the internet and like the way that information about music could only go through certain channels and so it was kind of easy to rip people off and i yes. remember yeah I, I remember my mom telling me once she grew up in this little town in mississippi and um apparently there was like a a ticket scam that went around in that town where where people were saying that um, Hamilton, Joe Frank, and Reynolds 
the the soul band who did don't pull your love out on my baby uh yeah. we're gonna play it in leland mississippi which was and if you really thought about it, it was probably never gonna happen but like when you live in a little town and it's the 70s and you don't have access to like fact checking information you know you don't know maybe it is wow. gonna happen so yeah that stuck in my mind when she told me that story and just i mean reading reading things about this and there's so many stories kind of like this but um just seeing all the skullduggery of the music industry back in those days. It still happens though, and dude. I, like it, it, it still happens. I mean, people, you know, a lot of people still have, you know, aspirations of making it and they don't have the talent or the drive or whatever. So they're looking for a gimmick, you know, and there's lots of people that will pull gimmicks. I remember there was this band back in Canada and their whole thing was like, so they, what they would do is like, they, say if there's a big concert happening at the Coliseum, they would show up on the flatbed of a truck in the parking lot and they would play um, in the parking lot. And they would say that they were, and they would literally say that like they were on a bill with like Iron Maiden or Metallica or whoever was in the, in the Coliseum that night because they played in the fucking parking lot. Now, if you want to play in a parking lot after a show and give people leaving some entertainment and maybe they buy your records. That's cool. But shut the fuck up about being on the same bill. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just gimmicky crap like that, that, you know, people will pull all the time or, you know, I don't know. It, it just, and, and, and it's, it's weird that people do stuff like that or they'll say, or like, I don't know, maybe someone was like, had, had a tryout with some major band for like five minutes and, you know, didn't get the, there's this, I don't know. I don't want to name names, but it's like a lot of people back, in Vancouver that I could name that have tried to pull bullshit. Um, and you're just like, how do you, how do you ever figure that this is going to work? That, that nobody can see through this. Cause like, it's just so painfully goddamn obvious. And anyone with half a brain can see that you're full of shit, like 20 miles away. So it's, it's, it's really strange that people still kind of try to do that. I can see in the seventies when, like you said, there's no internet and, everything goes super slow and you know you could do people now you can't do it but people still fucking try and it's just so dumb i think people feel like people think that like when when there's a show being put on like when you're performing that it means that it's like gives you a license to just like be fake in general or that you have to like sell it in such a way that like you you are justified in like making up lies, but that's it. Anyone who's, I think really done serious performing knows that doesn't work. Like it, doesn't. it has to come from an, like if you're going to do something that's good, it has to come from an, from an honest place your, whether you're just performing for audience, five people or your audience is not stupid. People who go to gigs and are interested in live music are generally not stupid. Mm -hmm. You know, you, and if you can't treat them like that, it's disrespectful um you need to have some like uh respect for the people who you're trying to sell your music to um you need to have some goddamn integrity behind the music that you make and the performance that you put out there you can have gimmicks i mean christ come see Greyhawk. we got gimmicks dude like you know <laughs> we rev brings a, a staff on stage we you know we do all kinds of theatrical stuff on stage but it's not, it comes from the heart. It comes from wanting to enhance the music. It's not fake. We're not making anything up or trying to rip anybody off because we respect 
fans of heavy metal, they respect the audience. And to me, if, if anybody um, doesn't respect the audience or is trying to rip them off, they, sh they don't deserve to get on stage. They don't deserve the privilege of getting up on a stage and plugging a guitar or bass in, sitting behind a drum kit or grabbing a microphone and getting the privilege. Because let me tell you people, you fucking musicians who are bitter about shows and bitter about the places you stay, it is a fucking privilege for your ass to be up there. It 100% yep. is. Those are the best moments of your life. And you need to treat your audience with respect. You need to treat your fucking venues and yourself with respect don't lie to people don't rip them off play honest music be real and just just don't be a fucking dick it's one of those things i really you got me fired up now <laughs> it's one of the things i love about running james dio is that he was clearly so passionate about acknowledging that the fans are the reason he could be on stage at all yeah. like the fans enjoyment of the music is the reason why they're all there why the band's there why the audience is there why it's all happening in the first place and so there was that real foundation of love and respect for the audience because they're the raison d'etre of the whole thing you know I'm right man um i think if people need to resort to lying it's just because they i mean they suck and they shouldn't be on the stage to begin with just yep. stay at home play music so, in your garage with your dumb friends and don't make anybody else listen to your your bullshit because it's you know I, I just, I really hate that, man. I hate, I hate people that, um, I, I, I hate people that are too drunk to play. I hate people that um, don't respect their, their audience, don't respect their sound man, the people that are showing up to work to help them put their music out there. You're not special, dude. Like there's 100 million bands in the world um, and you need to conduct yourself with professionalism, respect and dignity. And if a band or a musician can't do that, I got no time for it. Yeah, but that's absolutely. Just, that's just me um you know it just and there's there's nothing worse than people with, with shit attitudes and um you know we, we need less of that we need a lot we need people who up on the stages and in bands who are gonna you know respect themselves respect the audience respect the music respect the craft take your craft seriously take the music seriously um regardless of what you're playing but um I'm hoping with the whole pandemic thing that a lot of people will realize that and, you know, will not take for granted their performances when we get back um, on the go and, and we're able to do, to do shows again. Cause I don't know, I miss it. Anytime I have a gig, even if it's in some small town in front of 30 people, I'm excited. It's the best day of the week for me. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and, I, and I miss it. Um, but there's always yeah. going to be people who are motivated by a, a kind of narcissistic uh, desire for attention and that's sure. you know outside of any kind of cultural conditions there's just like some people's nervous system just is off in that way <laughs> you know and uh yeah it, i just before we got on this call just watched this movie uh from the 90s called to die for have you ever seen it no it's uh it's kind of off topic but it's got nicole kidman in one of her early roles as this um this woman who's obsessed with being on tv and is just takes it to this level of of total insanity and she she ends up kind of meeting these like little sort of trashy metalhead teenagers and 
manipulating them to like <laughs> kind of do her bidding okay. and it's it's actually a really funny movie and it's it's really well done um but it's right. it's all about that kind of like desire to get attention with complete disregard for any consequences got it and it has some like sepultura or something in it i think at a couple cool. points <laughs> speaking of speaking of that of you know disregard for consequences yeah that is that my friend is the perfect segue into our next and final topic of the podcast and i need to open a beer for this one because all right holy hell <laughs> it's it's been a week um you know yeah, the day we're recording this you know in case anybody uh you know is listening to this down the road it's the 10th of january so i think everybody knows what happened about a week ago um on the 6th um our topic we'd be remiss if our topic wasn't John Schaefer from Meister. Um, yep. uh, we're not going to get into the, this is not a political podcast. Um, so anybody that's starting to grow and roll their eyes, we are not going to get into the politics of the matter. We're not going to get into, we're not going to talk about Trump. We're not going to talk about Republicans, Democrats, left wing, right wing, none of that. Um, this is going to be, we're going to focus on Mr. Schaefer from a, a, a music standpoint. Uh, we're going to talk about that. So as we all know, um, John Schaefer uh, was part of the, of the group of people who stormed the Capitol building last week. Um, and <laughs> it's honestly funny as hell. I got to be real with it. I saw, as soon as I saw him there, I was like, I was laughing. Um, it, it's really funny to see him on like the FBI most wanted list. It's really funny to see him wanted by like the DC police. I mean, it's just, it's the whole thing is just so fucking stupid. Um, the memes have been amazing. Um, uh, but you know, I think the, the, what I'd like to talk about or what we talked about earlier, what, how what we'd like to talk about is just kind of like um, the overlying issue of, you know, what it's going to mean for him musically and what it's going to mean for his bandmates and kind of what it means in the context of the heavy metal scene in general, as far as, you know, your actions in the public eye. Um, so you can title this little episode, How to Kill Your Career 101, <laughs> in my opinion, because, you know, the, I just think that I started this finished, you know, um, and it's weird because I love that band. Um, you know, back I, I haven't listened to Ice Earth in a long ass time. It's been a minute, but you know, when I was in my late teens, early twenties, Ice Earth were pivotal for me in discovering um, the fact that there are still bands in um, in uh, the heavy metal scene that are making albums in that classic style, but with a modern twist. Um, the first song I ever heard was The Hunter. It was in a compilation, a Century Media compilation I got. Good track. And I was like, damn, that's a hell of a hook in that song. Hell of a riff. This guy had a Matt Barlow thing in front of a unique voice. The, and one of the things that struck me was John Schaefer's rhythm guitar playing. He is an incredible rhythm guitarist. Um, mm -hmm. He's, I think, top three of all time in the history of heavy metal. He's up there with like Scott Ian and Hetfield and Eric, Eric Peterson from Testament and a lot of the other really great rhythm players. His right hand is a goddamn jackhammer, dude. He's super tight. Um, 
so it's just one of those things when you know you're 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 one of your heroes that you grew up listening to does something that's completely asinine and really cringy um it's disheartening to me anyway well yeah it shows that yeah his his judgment seemingly was compromised somewhere along the line he, he made a serious error in judgment uh, whether that was deciding to to kind of go to the protest in the first place or whether that was deciding to actually go into the capital or whether that was you know i wasn't there i don't know what it was but like the optics are pretty bad they are and <laughs> no you matter know, how you like, slice it and again like we said we're not judging his political views i mean his political views have been no secret i mean they, there was going back to the glorious burden album and then he had that he made that like sons of liberty album i mean everybody kind of knew um what is it is from like the clothes he wears to what he started writing about what well, his from, political stances he's from and, tampa he's a florida man he is um and I, 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 I don't care you know for me like if he's not none of his he's not like a crazy racist or like a holocaust denier or anything so like it, it's fine if he is like some kind of like um libertarian dude if he's not hurting anybody that's his prerogative like that doesn't that doesn't bother me as a fa- as a as a person or as a fan that doesn't bother me um but you know when you get on when he's on tv when he's in the newspaper storing the capitol building you know doing something that personally, I mean, again, we're not going to get too much of the politics, but I don't think it's cool. I think that was gross. Um, I'm not a propensity. I I don't agree with violence. I don't agree with, you know, tearing things down and, you know, people got killed, man. Like people got killed Mm -hmm. in this event. Like five people died. Serious shit. Um, It's, it's, it sucks. And like you said, the optics are bad. And, you know, this isn't, this is an interesting question. Um, If you're a musician, um, in this day and age where everything's on the internet, everything's visible, um, to what extent do you have to self-govern your actions and your words, not just for your own sake and your own career, but this, if you're a musician, you've got several other people. This, this guy's got four other motherfuckers that are like joined to the hip with him and are affected by his actions who are, in my opinion, essentially out of a job because of some dumbass shit that he did. Um, yeah. So I don't know. That raises the question, like, you know, to what extent do you weigh your, um, your, your actions, your words in the public eye with, you know, the, the better, the well-being of your band? Yeah. I mean, in a, in a certain way, especially once you've reached a certain amount of success and visibility, like when you're in a band, you've got to ride for the brand. I mean, you've got to be aware of your responsibility as as uh, someone who's, especially if you're the band leader, you know, which is which with John Schaefer, sure, as far as I understand, he really is with Ice to Earth. Like he, he is, he, he basically is Ice to Earth. He's the yeah, only original member. Yeah, he he kind of he holds the reins, and that means that his, you know, his behavior and his actions are going to reflect on the whole project. Sure. And um, I mean, that's being in a band is a is a kind of. Um, uh, fraternal experience right like it's it's a it's actually kind of a unique kind of social arrangement because you're coexisting kind of intimately with the people you're in the band with at least when it comes to making music being on tour 
you know, it's, it's, it's actually kind of an intense relationship and you really do have to look out for the people you're, you're playing with because you're part of a band, you're part of something bigger than yourself. Yeah. And, you know, I think you also have to be honest with yourself, I guess, about what the priorities are in your life and what you're bringing to the world. Like most, as far as most people are concerned, well, as far as most people are concerned in the world, they don't know who John Schaefer is, but the people who know John Schaefer know him because of the music he's involved in and know his work as a songwriter and a guitarist. Um, and I think, you know, that that's for him, he, he has to decide like, is that the most important thing and the most important part of his legacy or is the most important part of his legacy, like John Schaefer, the, American citizen political activist kind of person because and if it's both those things have to be balanced carefully I mean apparently he was on Infowars you know and (laughs) which I I I need to find that because that sounds hilarious but I think but I think what he what we're talking about here is he his what he did goes beyond um expressing an opinion um I think if he if he was just there and he was protesting but refused to storm be a part of storming the Capitol, it might look a little different. I'm certainly there would probably be backlash from some people, but just the fact that he was so involved in an event where people got killed um, over a bunch of crap um, looks awful, you know yeah. and. Um, like I said, I mean, it's one thing to say to say a political view that might be a little controversial. You know, everyone's, like I said, everyone's known what he thinks politically for a long ass time. And, you know, people have kind of like, just said, oh, well, whatever, you know, it's just, that's John, the crazy conspiracy guy, you know, talking crazy conspiracies. And it really, for me, it wasn't problematic. I may be like, go, you know, I probably don't ever want to sit down and have a beer with this dude. Um, but you know, when it, when it gets to the, when it escalates to a point where it's at now, to me, it just says like, I don't give a shit about Stu or Brent or any of the other guys in my band. I don't care about anything other than, you know, being this, doing this political action that I don't know what they thought was going to come from it. Um, but it's, um, I think it's, I think it's fucking ridiculous, if you ask me. Um, well, yeah, I mean, he's, it's it's putting the ego in front of in front of the band. You know, he's prioritizing himself as a as a private citizen over the interests of the band. And I, maybe he wasn't thinking about that at the time, but like every bad idea, yeah, you have to. Like every bad idea starts the same way. It seemed like a good idea at the time. I mean, I, I'm I guess I guess on my my personal Facebook which is my personal page, like I'm fairly political on there, you know? Um, I wouldn't say I'm like an activist or I don't really say anything that's super outlandish. I do make so a lot of my views known, but you know, I do, there are times I've wanted to say something because I've seen something that's pissed me off or whatever, but I, I haven't um, because, you know, I, I'm in a band that is in the public eye with four other dudes um, and I respect um, the fact that if I say something that's, you know, off the cuff or whatever, or might spark some reactions um, with people, 
whether they listen to our music or not, um, that that affects you guys. And, you know, I, I personally have too much respect for my, for all of you to ever, you know, put my own ego or whatever in front of, um, you know, my working relationship with you guys. Um, yeah. That's just, that's just my opinion. That's how I govern my life um, and my career. I don't want, you know, unless you're a political band, then I guess it doesn't matter. But I don't think Ice Earth is a very, it's an overly political band. No, I mean, if you're a political band, I mean, in a way that almost raises the stakes in that regard, because then people are going to be kind of watching like a hawk to see if what you're doing politically aligns with what you're sure. thinking about politically or expressing politically musically. Dude, but, especially since like this guy, these guys, I mean, they, they, they do okay in America, but like they, their fan base is in Europe. Yeah. And Europeans are understandably a little bit sensitive about this kind of shit because it's happened over there before. And well, I'm, I'm sure you saw uh, that <laughs> Iron, the, the Iron Savior Facebook made a comment on John Schaefer's uh, yes, or on, on, on the Iced Earth Facebook and said something to the effect of, um, uh, you know, fuck you and don't come back to Germany. We already have Nazis here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like, hey, dude, like, you know, light, night of the long knives, you know, it's. That was done by, you know, people who were, you know, kind of some, were the German crowd boys. And I'm not saying that things have gone that extreme, but, you know, there are things that resonate with people in that part of the world who lived through that or whose parents lived through that or who were taught about it over there. So the European backlash has been intense, um, mm -hmm. much more intense than the American backlash, which has also been intense. Um, I don't think any self-respecting music festival is ever going to want the name Iced Earth on their poster ever again. Um, Probably not. And, and regardless of, you know, even if the organizer for that festival feels a certain way, they're going to have to take into account what the general public thinks. What if, what, if he gets, what if he gets charged with a felony? Yeah. What if he gets charged with a felony offense? He can't go to Canada. If you're an American, you can't yep. get into Canada with a felony offense. You can't get into a lot of European countries with a felony offense. You can't go to like Japan and Asia with a felony offense. Like it limits your ability to travel. Um, you know, it, it's, he's screwing himself and he's screwing his band over hard by mm -hmm. acting like an idiot, basically. And, you know, it's, it, it, to, again, as a fan, it's disheartening. I can't imagine how his bandmates feel. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it's, it's, it <clears throat> brought up some interesting thoughts in my brain about, you know, where if you're in a band that's you know in the public eye um where i mean there's been bands back home you know i won't name them but there's been bands back home that have broken up because one of the members of their band either whether they're intoxicated or not like posted some stupid shit on facebook and the whole metal scene sees it because it's in like a this um, heavy vancouver bc heavy metal discussion group and the, the backlash of the local scene is so intense that the band breaks up, you know, like, yeah. you, and that's just it. I mean, I think that people nowadays, um, because partially because of social media and saying shit behind a computer screen, um, it feel, I think it feels like there's no consequences or there's not going to be any consequences, but there are, dude, 
there are real consequences for your words. And I grew up being taught that, you know, it's kind of like a rule of the street, you know, talk shit, get hit. Um, it's it, like, if, if there, there are repercussions for your actions, there are repercussions for your words. For John Schaefer and Iced Earth, the repercussions for his actions are going to, are severe, very severe. I mean, these, these, these dudes are done again. Like they're, they're, it, it, that's it. Like if they have a career of any sort, that's not like, I mean, God, if, if I was one of the members of that band, I would be running like not what I would be running for the Hills. I would be oh, like, yeah. I am out of this band. I'm done because you don't want the grisly stench of fucking death to rub off on you. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I feel for all those guys. I even feel for like Hanzi, you know, and, and of course he's fine because Blind Guardian is is active and, and keeps him busier than Demons and Wizards, I think, ever did anyway. But still, it's like he's not connected with American politics, you know? No, no. And now he has to like deal with those consequences. He does. He, I mean, you wind up you you wind up having to answer for your bandmate and you know, in, in today's environment, when the torches and pitchforks come out, you know, it, there's fallout. And if you get caught up in that fallout, like, you know, you get, dra- you get dragged down with them. Like, if I was in that band, I would be distancing myself from, from that dude as quick as I can. Because yeah. he has fully blown it as far as, like, his, his musical career goes. And, you know, at his age, he's like 52. Um, and if if the if that's if this music stops, and he stops being able to make money for his music. What's this guy gonna do? Uh, yeah. He's been a career musician. He's never had a real job. Uh, it's like the, he didn't. He clearly wasn't thinking beyond um, whatever his agenda was when he went to D.C. that day. Because mm-hmm. you know, if if he if he gets charged with criminal offenses, he gets charged with a felony. Um, he's in big trouble, and I think Ice Earth is already in big trouble. And that's his meal ticket, man. If 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 that goes away, I he's he'll be flipping burgers or some shit, you know. Like yeah. And for a guy his his age who's just been in bands his entire life, doesn't have any real practically practical applicable um, real life skills to fall back on. So you know there are this is a lot of fallout, a lot of severe consequences to him his actions that he did in DC that day. And it. It's just, it sucks all around, you know? Yeah, it's, what's interesting to me is just how often people kind of run off at the mouth, say some stupid shit or do some stupid shit when it's, seems to me like it's not that hard just to sometimes just wait to say something or just don't, just don't say it. Just be quiet. You you don't have to say everything that's on your mind. And especially when you're a musician, then ostensibly you you have something you're already giving and you're already saying and sometimes if you keep quiet when you're not playing music that that really like will give your music more power you won't be diluting it with your own you know individual brain gas you know and also like you know not i don't want to get again trying not to get too political here but did he think that he was going to be able to stop them from certifying the election by going there? Like, did he actually think that that was going to be accomplished by him being a part of some 
group of people that smashed into the Capitol building? Like, what did he think was going to happen? Well, I think that, I mean, we see over and over again in history that when groups of people get together in sufficient size, judgment goes out the window because, you know, it's, it's like sex. Dude. One thing, one thing leads to another. Like, I don't think he was planning that when he showed up in DC that day, it was like, the, the people started kind of moving in a certain direction. The energy got up. You get excited. Oh, we're doing this thing. Oh, this is like this big historic deal. Oh, it's happening. And then oh, all shit. of a sudden, you know. <laughs> oh, you're... shit. They videotaped that all of this my ass committing a crime. Yep. And and now I'm in trouble. Yeah. And you're on like the international news websites that have nothing to do with heavy metal. <laughs> front and center on The Guardian. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Oh, it, it, it is hilarious in, in, in a way. Um, but. Well, there's been a lot of jokes about like, you know, John Schaefer is on the, you know, a person of interest for the first time since 2002. The first you know? time since horror show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, uh, yeah, they haven't, I mean, they haven't, it's not like they've been a very relevant band for the past 20 years, you know. They had, they, I mean, they had that first album they did with Stu Dystopia had some cool moments on it, but. Uh, it's they've it, their albums have been a pretty much a snooze fest after horror show until you know the whatever the, I don't even remember what the name of the most recent one was to tell you the truth I mean I my interest in the band faded a long time ago mainly because the music was getting boring you know again not due, due to Mr. Schaefer's politics which again you know we're all aware of it just nobody cared um but you know <laughs> when you go do something like that people start to care real quick yeah. Well, it brings up another interesting question, which is, I mean, we've talked about some of like what the, the performer's responsibility to the audience and to the, the brand of the music organization they're a part of is, but there's also like what the question of what is our responsibility as consumers of music and fans of heavy metal? Um, what is our social responsibility to promote, I don't know, to promote musicians that that behave <laughs> appropriately and what yeah. is our responsibility to reject those that don't and i think there's a lot of differing views on that like obviously there's some folks who are really like passionate about like if someone personally goes out of line in certain ways they're done they can't listen to iced earth anymore they can't listen to demons and wizards anymore they don't want to you know send money to john schaefer if he's going to do this kind of thing which makes sense mm -hmm. um but then there's also people, of course, who are going to say, well, you know, the, there's other musicians involved in these projects. You, you can still listen to it. And, or and it'll draw parallels and say, well, you know, people listen to this band and this guy is, did this or, you know, or whatever, right? And like, they'll yeah. say, oh, well, it's not like John Schaefer. I mean, John Schaefer probably isn't like even like the, the guy, the, you know, he, he's probably not even like the craziest guitar player from Florida. You know, like, <laughs> there's, some, sure. there's some been some incidents over the years involving i mean everyone remembers the pat o'brien from cannibal corpse incident where he like blew up his house or whatever <laughs> like you know got arrested and was put in a straitjacket um like there's been some people have done some crazy shit and you know i i don't think like i don't think, I don't think john schaefer's evil you know I, I don't think he's an evil guy and he just did something real stupid um as a consumer, I think that I think that's that's uh, really up to the individual. I mean, you're allowed to vote with your wallet, so to speak, um, and support those. I mean, if someone does something that you don't agree with, it's completely your prerogative not to support them. I don't know if there's a blanket 
rule or anything. I think it's kind of up to the individual. For me, I mean, I don't know. I haven't really been listening to Ice Earth in the last few years anyway. So I, I definitely like seeing him do all that crap and seeing his face on the FBI most wanted list. Um, it doesn't reinforce my desire to go back and listen to them. Um, yeah, I'll say it's, you know, it, I haven't really listened to a lot of Ice Earth. I mean, I've, I've heard them from time to time and and I listened a little bit kind of in preparation to talk about this, but I will say it, it is kind of an impediment to getting into Iced Earth. You know, maybe if I'd already been a fan for a while, then I'd be able to listen to the old albums and not let it bother me too much. But it, it is like one, one reason to not listen to them and listen to some of the other power metal bands that are doing similar things just as well, because there's sure. only so much time in my life. And, you know, I guess there's, there's different it's different in different situations. Like I remember I, uh, I discovered that that black metal band Inquisition mm -hmm. at one point, um, listened to him. I kind of liked it. Interesting guitar work, kind of a uh, immortal type sort of Popeye the sailor vocals. And I, I thought it was kind of cool, but, um, you know, then I kind of started looking into their main man's kind of political views and it was a little like, Ooh, that's not so well, good. And then, then it turned out that he had like this massive child porn collection, and and then it's really like, okay, we're done with that. I I I can't with that. I knowing that there's that connection, it's and weird. yet at the same time, like the um, that, that guitar is the second guitarist from Manowar. Yeah, you know, is Carl Kidder Logan? You know, like yeah, like the but but you know the band kicked him out right away, and you know. We, we were watching some of those videos of performances with him playing guitar. And I mean, maybe it's just easy to tune it out because it's Manowar and I, I really am there to hear Joey DeMaio and Eric Adams, really. Yeah. Um, and so the guitar is not as important in that band. And, you know, Ross the Boss actually wrote a lot of those guitar parts for the song. I mean, so Ross, Ross was the guy on pretty much all of the good albums, you right. know? Um, yeah, I mean, it's going, going into Manowar, like, I mean, Ross was the guy on all of the good albums. Then, the other really good album was Triumph of Steel that had, uh, what's his name? Um, the, guy, uh, the guy who plays guitar like this? Yeah, yeah, that dude. <laughs> like a, <laughs> over the top, yeah. I, I, I don't know, I'm blanking on his name right now. Um, David Shankle, uh, right. that's it. So they had David Shankle and then, you know, Carl Logan was basically on two Manowar albums that I enjoyed, but I don't really listen to them anymore. I mean, that's just like, I mean, that stuff is like way worse than anything John Schaefer did. Yeah, absolutely. It's just pretty unforgivable. Um, and I'm not, I'm not about to start listening to those Manowar records, but you know, right. the earlier shit, oh man, it's just, it's still all awesome. And yeah, and, you know, he was never an integral part of the band. His, he's pretty much the worst guitar player they ever had. Um, his tone is awful. His guitar solos all sound like a dial-up modem from the 90s or like, <laughs> you know like, they they um and he's he's pretty like if you watch those dvds he's pretty forgettable as far as like the overall you know look of the band you don't really notice him that much right um, at least i don't no again, i don't like joey and eric are that band and you know scott columbus was a pretty rad drummer too um god rest his soul but um yeah, I don't know. Man, like you said, Manowar handled it correctly. They booted him right away. They distanced themselves from him. Um, and, you know, they haven't really made too much of a statement about it, but probably because there's a legal uh, trial that's still pending. Um, and 
in the case of a legal trial, you don't really want to say anything because it all can get used against you. Um, but I think Manowar conducted themselves properly. Well, it's, I guess in a case like that, it's, it's easier to mentally just kind of like slice off that part of it and kind of try to save the rest since yeah. it's not really at the core. But, you know, Iced Earth, it, you know, he's the, he's the guy. So yeah, that, in Manowar, if it was Joey or Eric, it would have been a lot more of a problem. Right. Uh, for them going forward, because without one of those two guys, it's not Manowar. Right. Um, without John Schaefer, it's not Iser. His guitar playing, he writes all the songs. I mean, he's his signature guitar playing is kind of like integral to that band's sound. Um, without him, there's no Iser. So basically, there's no Iser anymore, if you ask me. It's pretty much over, said, and done. Um, but I think, um, going back to your other point, I think like, as far as us as consumers of music, that's up to the individual. I mean, there are probably some people that have absolutely no problem with what he did at the Capitol, and that's their prerogative. Um, but I just, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to, again, like there's not, I don't think there's going to be an Easter period, so I don't think I'm even going to have a decision to make. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's basically where it's at. I mean, I, mean, I don't know. He just, He's obviously a, a dumb motherfucker that did a dumb thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, it's definitely not wise to associate yourself with large groups of people in heightened states of emotions that might behave erratically. And and you, know, you may think you're doing something that... that it, I mean, it's one thing to stand up and be counted and to make your voice heard about a, an issue you feel is important or the direction the country's taking. But, sure. but Protest, uh, man. Standing yeah. outside the Capitol, they're standing outside and protesting, and he was saying his piece. I'm sure there would have been some backlash, but you know what? I don't think it would have been nearly what it is had he not entered the Capitol that day and just been there to exercise his right to express his opinion and protest. Yeah, I mean, you've got to, and you've got to again look out for for the brand because if you end up being part of a political mob of any kind then you kind of run the risk of becoming part of someone else's political theater someone sure. else's show and you're just a puppet in someone else's show and then that's what people are seeing instead of the iced earth show yep you absolutely know? that's exactly what they're saying basically he's, he's turned his band into a political carnival it's basically what he's done and it's 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 sad it's it's a mixture of like sad it's kind of infuriating it's also funny as hell in a lot of ways um it's it's just uh what a, what a weird time we live in man oh yeah absolutely like, i remember waking up that day and just being like the the, the, the colonel sanders looking prick for my earth is at the capitol building like <laughs> what the fuck like really you know like it's just it was it was it was bizarre and and hilarious and just kind of indicative of all the just absolute lunacy that we've been experiencing over the past year and a bit. You know, oh yeah. It's just, it, it's, it's almost par for the course, but it's, it's still fucked. <laughs> you know, it, it, it is. It's totally fucked. Um, but you know. it, it, it's pretty funny though. And it, and it, you know, you hear people saying, Oh, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't even like Trump supporters who were in there. It was actually like, you know, a bunch of, you know, Antifa or, or whatever, but uh, but then it could be like, well, no, actually, because you know, John Schaefer was in there, and we, I'm gonna try, and we know what he thinks. So I'm gonna try that next time. Like, 
one of my guys at work like fucks up and does something stupid i'm gonna be like no 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 that wasn't us that was somebody from that company <laughs> who came over and, and they pretended to be us and they screwed up to sabotage us so be mad yeah. at them not me it was a false flag total yeah. false flag fire suppression job um, yep i'm gonna yes. i'm gonna try that at work next time or if we have a if we you know if ever has a bad set we're gonna be like we'd be like no it wasn't us that was uh you know i don't know that, that was like some other band from seattle up there pretending to be us yeah that was that, it was that blue cheer cover band yes. that guy can't sing in tune <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was totally like some other band up there yeah. that was not greyhawk at all like <laughs> give me a fucking break dude so i don't know um Anyway, I guess that kind of covers John Schaefer. I guess to sum sum it up, I mean, I guess I don't know if we even really came to a conclusion about it, but I think the in summary, um, if you're in a band and you're thinking of doing some dumb shit like that, consider the consequences. Consider your bandmates. Consider yourself. Consider your legacy. Consider how you want to be remembered. John Schaefer has put decades of hard work into a music building a music career building a legacy and in one day he shit all over it and he's not going to be remembered as one of the greatest rhythm guitar players ever he's not going to be remembered as the guy who started that band that really carried the flag of heavy metal in the late through the late 90s into the 2000s um he's going to be remembered as some dumbass that's from the capitol building and that is his legacy now Everything else is all tainted. It all has an asterisk behind him. Everything he worked for, all those effort, all the effort he put on those records he made, it's tainted. It is. Whether you are a fan or whether you whether you like it or not, you could disagree with me all day long. You could be fucking wrong all day long. All that <laughs> shit is tainted. He fucked it up, and he fucked up his bandmates' careers too, and he brought all kinds of attention on them that they did that they don't deserve and that they didn't earn um sure they were in a band with a guy we all knew he had problematic political views you know um i mean or he had weird political views or whatever um but you know when, when he uh when he goes to do something like that it's a completely different ball game it, 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 it changes everything up and uh you know well politics are politics are dangerous because they are you know they they really do affect every aspect of life of course and especially if you're someone who's not kind of on the top of the ladder you know and if you're someone who's not in an advantaged position then it's going to affect your life even more sure. so i'm not saying that it doesn't affect everything but i think there is you know a lot of wisdom in keeping politics separate from other things. Um, and I, I guess well, unless you're a political band, like we said, and then at that right. point, you know, it's a different, you, if it's, you, if, then you do you, but if, if you're not in a political band, you know, you gotta think, you gotta think, and you've got to, you know, I, I've heard this, um, this kind of maxim, I guess that if politics and religion get involved together, then from like an ethical point of view, politics, pretty much always slits religion's throat and dumps it in the river. That's kind of what happens. And I, to, to my mind, music is more akin to spiritual practice than it is to political practice. Maybe that's just how I approach it. But I think for that reason, there is, 
some wisdom in keeping the the currents of the the present day out of a musical experience you're trying to cultivate, which is going to be something that raises people above their everyday concerns. That's just my approach. And you can do it differently. Um, but to me, I think there is kind of a, a spiritual or magical or transformational aspect to music and to heavy metal in particular, because heavy metal is about creating the space that is not the same as, you know, filing your taxes. Yeah. <laughs> At least that's how I see it. Um, sure. And that, yeah, if you get, if you try to cross those wires, it can end up having really negative consequences for that kind of sacred space of music you're trying to create. That's yeah, my viewpoint. I, yeah, I, can, I can just hear the freedom of speech people now. You know, oh, you should be able to say what you want. You should be able to say what you want. You can say what you want. You can do what you want. Yeah, I mean, but that's, that's from like a... Do it without consequence, as Mr. Schaefer is finding out firsthand. Right. And mu music is not governed by politics and law necessarily. Like, you know, that, that, that the freedom of speech is something that's guaranteed by law. Yes. Like no one should be legally persecuted for, you know, persecuted by the state for, for their words. For their words. But it's kind of hard to keep, you know, in the marketplace of ideas, you know, you can crash your own stock by saying or doing stupid shit. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, I get, uh, yeah, and I don't know. It's, uh, again, musicians in the past have probably done worse and gone away with it, but, you know. Well, sure, we, I mean. We, we, we also live in a, in a different time, and you can't look back at shit that people got away with in, like, the 70s, you know, when when social media wasn't a thing, when the, when the internet wasn't a thing, and when your whole life wasn't on display and being recorded in, uh, for everybody to see like you know you look back at hear stories about how some of the you know rock stars in the 70s treated their groupies and stuff if there's video of that shit and they got leaked on the internet it would be a different story yeah you know because video is a very powerful medium and it, it elicits um a much stronger response in people than maybe just hearing a story does yes it's also like proof you know some people like might go yeah well maybe it happened maybe it didn't Nobody really saw it. There's no evidence. There's evidence now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> that is clear evidence of you doing this thing. And I think if, um, you know, social media, the internet were a thing in the 70s, a lot of people would have gotten in a lot more trouble. Yeah. Um, and that's just the reality today is that, you know, information travels really quick. Video travels really quick. And it becomes evidence. And, um, you just got to watch your ass, man. Like, <laughs> you really got to think. And you got to think, like, in life, this is not just about, not just when it comes to, like, a political statement or whatever. In life, you have to, like, weigh the consequences of everything you say and everything you do and everything you put out there because there is consequences. Um, there is consequences for all your words. There are consequences for all your actions. And you got to think about whether or not the action you're going to do is going to be worth the consequences that it's going to bring up, whether those consequences are positive or negative. Yeah. So. Well, I think this is something that comes up a lot in heavy metal because it's about, you know, that there's a way in which heavy metal is about throwing mm -hmm. caution to the wind and putting the pedal to the metal and just like, yeah. but to me, like, it's a matter of, 
you know, when you're on stage or when you're in the studio and when you're performing, you create that space where that's possible. And then the rest of the time, you've got to maintain awareness of what's actually going on and the consequences of your actions. Because sure. if you're careful enough, then you can create a space where you can totally cut loose and go crazy and go to this otherworldly place until the show's over, at which point- You can't you can do that at work though. <laughs> right, exactly. I can't, I can't go to my job and act like I, and start just like bending steel bars in half and acting like I do on stage and like, you know- right. I can't like go- put my and yelling and being a maniac, I get fired. Right, I can't like put my Serpent King mask on and go stick my tongue out at people on the street, you know? Well, I could, Not without but... probably having somebody call the police. Right. <laughs> you know? So yeah, there's, yeah, I guess, I guess the overall, to sum it up, the overall message is just like, you know, think about what you're doing. Think about how it affects you. Think about how it affects your bandmates. And I guess you have to come to that personal decision, um, whether or not the thing you're thinking about saying or doing um, is worth whatever results it's going to get you. Yeah. And well, because music takes dedication. Music is a commitment. And it's a commitment, you know, not only it's a commitment to yourself to continue to be a, a, a musician who can perform and, and, and keep doing it. But it's also a commitment to the people you make music with. And it's a commitment to the people you make music for. Yep. You know, and, and it would be great in this life if we could like give 100% of our passion to every single thing we do to like the political issues we care about, to the art we want to make, to our relationships to you know i, I wish i could put that work. much effort uh, that much passion into like clean in my house yeah <laughs> you know but i don't think i don't think clean, if i put as much passion as i did into playing bass live with greyhawk as in a clean in my house i have the most sparkling house in seattle yeah right <laughs> but yeah I, I hear what you're saying you I, just I, you've I, just got to decide where to put the passion and if you try to like say oh i can have an equal amount of passion for you know political causes as i do for my my band it's gonna there's gonna be a conflict there's always sure. gonna be a conflict even if you're a political band there's gonna be a conflict Correct. um so it's that's just worth keeping in mind if you want to get into music seriously yep and then i don't know i don't know i don't know if this fucking guy um thought about that or whether he didn't think that um the whole this whole event would blow back on him as hard as he as it does. He's pretty out to launch when it comes to like all this stuff. So I don't know if he really thought that this was going to be as big a deal as it is, or if he just decided, you know what, I don't I don't care anymore. I'm just going to do this, and this is what I, I care about this more than I do about my music career, my bandmates' music career. Um, I don't know what was going on inside that Kentucky Fried brain of his, but. Um, <laughs> It, 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 he he made a decision and he's made his bed and as as SOD once said you know you make your bed you you make the bed you lay in I bet it's made of shit and um his his bed is now made of shit and he has to lie in it and yep. uh I don't feel for him at all um you know he he he's gonna get what's coming to him he made a decision he's got to live with it he's got to man up and face the consequences. I feel for his bandmates who are getting caught up in the fallout. Um, I feel for all the Ice Earth fans out there who are disappointed, um, myself included. Um, but I guess that's just what fucking happened. Yeah, yeah. It it 
it happens and it's it's clearly happened in heavy metal before in other ways and like this is a this is a, a musical community that's no stranger to controversy i mean the fact that people still people still listen to burzum and dissection and and those dudes like killed people personally yeah, so that's true i mean i mean i don't know i think that i, I think it's a little different i think black metal fans that have a bit of a different mindset um i don't think there's enough people who are into power metal and classic metal like that that are kind of that are really gonna forgive this and especially in europe i think so, yeah i think it's 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 true it's not quite the same thing because i don't know i mean i guess with black metal there's this idea it's, that it's like a, it's a different environment and the fans have a different mindset and i'm not seeing that as a good or bad thing it's just different and yeah. i think in this case um i don't think there's any coming back for these motherfuckers like it's i think it's just over yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens but i yeah i agree because you know that when in, in such a crowded marketplace of music like why would you why would anyone take that risk anymore no nope, and there's there's lots of other bands to listen to yeah so going going with that i think that's uh probably uh, looking at the clock it's probably a good yeah, good time to wrap it up to, what's up i said oh it's just a good time to wrap it up yeah yep. good time to wrap it up i think it's a uh, you know it's, it's it's we've kind of said what, we're, what we can say about uh this individual so and this issue so um, that wraps up the first uh, first ever episode of Keepers of the Flame Classic Metal Podcast. Um, we'll be, be we're gonna try to record an episode a week, so hopefully uh, we'll be able to record another one within a week's time. We will be uh, talking about the new Witch Hazel album, which uh, should be fun. We'll have a couple more picks uh, of our own, out of our own collection to talk about, and uh, we'll have uh, some more freeform discussion, uh, possibly a guest. We don't know yet. But thank you all for listening, and um, we will see you next time. Looking forward to it. See you next week.